the musical podcast where I introduce my friends and loved ones to progressive rock music and they in turn get me to listen to whatever they want and we have another returning guest with us this week Alicia is with us she had me listen to Orville Peck's Pony uh, which I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed last time around so the bar is set pretty high to see what kind of a game she's bringing this time Uh, and I'm hopefully going to challenge her a little bit with this album that I've got for her. Uh, so before we dive in, I want to extend, you know, the usual thank yous first off to Alina Alinsky, who designed the show's graphic as well as explosive ear candy for their track altogether now, which is the podcast soundtrack, I suppose. Uh, so enough with the whole preamble. Um, well, I guess if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And if you're listening to this on your audio podcasting, please be sure to rate, uh, subscribe, uh, share this with your friends, hoping to drive up a little bit more traction this time around. So anyway, that's all the preamble for today. Uh, Let's dive in this week to find out uh, what's in store. Come along. Welcome back and thanks for joining us again. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. A good few months. A good few. It, it was almost a year, I think. Because I year. think, yeah, yeah, I think the last time we did this, it was around winter, maybe spring. So maybe like a half year. Okay. I can't remember. Wow. Time has no meaning anymore. No, for real. It really doesn't. Could have been uh, yesterday. <laughs> do you want to give yourself a quick introduction? So those who haven't seen you before yeah sure my name is alicia and michael and i used to work together at the bond public libraries and uh yeah yeah last time you had me listen to um pony yeah oh yeah yeah, that was a long time ago it was a long time ago (laughs) that was the peak of my obsession yeah some orville (laughs) peck and uh i loved it to such an extent i actually went out and bought the lp yeah i remember that i was very proud i'm very happy to be spreading the gospel it was yeah it was such a a a good ride um and and pretty much exactly what I needed for that time too so yeah Mm -hmm. I agree it hit me the right way I don't know why yeah but I I heard it and I was like this is exactly what I need this is exactly what I need (laughs) right now so yeah I mean not to say that the bar is set pretty high but (laughs) sorry yeah it'll be fine and I think I had you listen to um yes yeah yeah. Any, um, I guess, residual thoughts about it now that it's had a number of months to percolate? Did you even return to it? You know what? I'm not going to lie. I did not. But That's I think we true. talked We talked a bit about my music issues during yes. quarantine, how I've sort of just been like not really listening to anything. It's been mm-hmm. a very 
depressing time for me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's been, I just wasn't in the mood for music. It was just like podcasts and television. Right. Right. Like, Has that changed? Are you back to music or is it still just TV in the background and podcasts in the no, foreground? It's not, it hasn't really come back yet. I haven't really been listening to anything new, let's say. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's just been like stuff I'm familiar with because I don't have to emotionally commit to it in a right. different way. So. Right. Mm-hmm. This is going to be interesting because the album I've chose for you, um, I decided to just throw you into the deep end. So I hope that's okay. Why not? Um, yeah, this is um, one of the, I don't want to say challenging, but it's a task. Um <laughs> Okay. So, okay. So what that means is uh, the band that I have chosen for you, um, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit um, because it's a little bit colder out because I had this one album in mind, but I usually listen to it either in the dead of winter or the, like the dog days of summer. Okay. Um, it helped me out when I first listened to it when I was in library school and it was the dead of winter, but it has a very summery feel to it. Mm-hmm. So I like to listen to it either within the feeling that it's in or the contrast when I want that feeling but now that it's more fall and it's finally like below 20 degrees I'm more in a fall mood Mm -hmm. and this is an album that I discovered um when I first moved away from home um and started my um I guess the second stretch of my undergrad away from home I moved up to Sudbury and this album helped me out a lot while I was up there. And so it reminds me of the fall autumn feels. Very nice. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the essence. And I was like, well, you know, I'd rather have this fall album uh, to really usher in a fall season. So the band is called Transatlantic. I know Transatlantic. You know Transatlantic? Well- I may be confusing them with somebody else. Okay, tell me what you hold know. Tell me what that. you hold know. off on that. I'll I'll return and see if I actually know what I'm talking about. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. Um, so transatlantic, like I wouldn't be surprised if you knew it because mm-hmm. I know that you have a little bit of a history with Dream Theater in terms of like maybe that's why knowing. Father. Yeah, so transatlantic is a super group that started in the very, very, very late '90s. Um, like we're looking at like 1999, 2000, that kind of era. Um, And they were following the legacy that a lot of prog bands had in the early eighties, where a bunch of members from different progressive rock bands would come together and create these super groups. More often than not, they were playing pop songs or like stadium rock music rather than these weird progressive rock stuff. Um, So that's how you have bands like UK, Asia, uh, America, like those big mm-hmm. continent kind of things. So transatlantic kind of did that same thing, but it had the drummer of dream theater, Mike Portnoy, uh, the then singer and songwriter for Spock's beard, uh, the bass player from Marillion, which was like this 1980s neo prog group and the lead guitarist from the flower Kings. So Flower Kings and Spock's Beard were these 90s retro prog groups, like one of the first on the scenes that then ushered ushered in the third and fourth wave of progressive rock music. And Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, you know, crazy progressive metal. um, They all came together and created this band. And instead of being just pop rock, stadium rock, they went like hard into the progressive rock. 
So their first album had a song that was like 30 minutes long. Uh, their second album, which is my favorite, has two songs that are 20 minutes long, a song that's 15 minutes long. Uh, I'm giving you their third album, uh, and it's called The Whirlwind. And why I said it's it's uh, throwing you into the deep end, the album is just one song. <laughs> that's... Uh, on the okay. CD, on the okay. CD, they do break it up into chapters. Okay. But when they play it live and when they have it on a live album, it's literally just one song that's about 80 minutes long. Oh, wow. So. Okay. That is challenging. Although yeah. I could just envision it as like, just like a concept album Correct. where each song, which is broken up into smaller chunks, yeah. is just part of a larger whole. That yeah. makes more and that's essentially what it is, right? And so I love it because it does it does kind of shift your thinking of how music is to be digested in like instead of having them in like little bite-sized chunks in terms of singles on a album, uh, it's just uh, the full album. So yeah, I figured I figured you'd be up for the task. Um, I'm up for anything. <laughs> give it a try like i said i need something new to listen to yeah (laughs) yeah and when you were saying that you know you weren't really uh connecting with anything you know you weren't emotionally invested this was one that i found i was very connected with especially lyrically and like musically and all that kind of stuff so kind of hoping that tracks but it's also one that you can throw on and listen to the background and not really miss anything Mm, okay so yeah so that's the album i have for you the whirlwind by uh transatlantic the only thing is you can't listen to it on streaming services oh which kind of sucks because neil morse kind of holds the rights for it and he has his own streaming service Hmm. which is weird but what he has enough of a discography and library to make sense okay because he's a part of like idol or something with like jay-z Exactly. This is actually Waterfall oh. <laughs> sticking with the water theme. Um, but luckily people have uploaded it to YouTube and it's in its entirety on YouTube. So All right. you can find it on YouTube. But I am pretty excited to hear what you've got in store for me this time. Yeah. So I, again, I struggled with this because I wanted to give you something that was, you know, had some depth to it and is not just like what I'm using to get through quarantine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know that anyone has already brought this singer to the podcast. It's not, she's, she's well-known. I was going to do a Lana Del Rey album. Ah, I don't know that you listen to her regularly. Um, I've heard a few tracks here and there, but I haven't like sat down and listened to a full album from her. Perfect. I figured, you know what? I had um, one of her previous albums that I listened to like on repeat for a while Mm -hmm. Um, and I said, you know what, this is one that I really connected with recently, Mm -hmm. uh, as in like the past couple of years. So I thought, I thought I would have you listen to that one. So this one is going to be called Norman fucking Rockwell. I was going to ask if it was, uh, Norman, because (laughs) I've been meaning to sit down and listen to it because I'm, I've been listening to a lot of Lord, uh, especially with her last album. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's just like Norman fucking Rockwell. It's, It's sort of like Norman Rockwell light to be honest yeah so um yeah like lana has a a more recent album but i don't think it's as good i I feel like this previous one is her like maybe her masterpiece so far it's so good 
I hope you enjoy it. I've heard lots of very good things about it. So I'm very excited to actually, because I was planning, I listened to all of Lord's back catalog and I'm like, ah, they don't, didn't really do as much as Solar Power has been doing for me. So really? yeah, it's, I don't know. There's something about Solar Power that really I connected with on it. So interesting. Because it's this... so the opposite for me. Oh, interesting. Well, I've yeah. heard, I, I've, I've heard that. I've heard that yeah. most people don't like this new, well, I shouldn't say don't like, but don't feel it's, it's like... as strong. Yeah. And I get it because it is different than her first two. Um, mm. But that's kind of why I like it. I was going to say, I think because like for me, I connected so strongly with the first two. Mm-hmm. And then so the new one with a new sound, I'm kind of like, oh, this is not what we wanted. This, Lord, is, not this cool. is not what we expect from you. Right. She can do whatever she wants, of course. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that like high expectation, the already like the connection to her, her previous stuff. Yeah. You're probably going to give this one more of a fair chance than maybe I did. Yeah, because this was my first introduction to it. So outside of like Royals, because everybody heard Royals, right? Royals, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so I was going to go back because everybody's like, oh, well, why would I listen to Solar Power when I can just listen to um, NFR like over and over yeah. and over again? I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll go ahead and listen to that. But I just never got around to it. So this oh, is a well, this is this your is, chance. This is a good chance for me to actually get in there and uh, give it a good spin. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, so yeah, I'll dive into some uh, Lana Del Rey and mm-hmm. you can dive into some Transatlantic. All right. Okay. I'll see you back because I have a feeling the whirlwind is going to be a little bit longer. Um, I'll see um, you. You said it was like 80 minutes? It is 80 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to say the other one is maybe like 70-ish minutes. So I might be a little bit longer, but not yeah, so let's much. see how long it is. It is, if Spotify wants to work for me. Oh, one hour and seven minutes. So yeah, it's, okay. we're, we're pretty close. I was going to say there is a song on that album that's like 10 minutes long. And I was like, oh, I hope Michael doesn't mind that. I, and now, now I know that you don't. <laughs> absolutely not. The longer, the better. Like yeah. Coldplay is coming out with an album that has like, it finishes off with a 10 minute song. And I'm like, yes, please. Nice. So I'm very, very excited. Good. You're in for a treat. Excellent, excellent. So I'll see you back here in about 80 minutes or so. All right. Because I know the future's on our side. And with that, Alicia and I go into our own music silos. She getting to dive deep into transatlantic, some pretty hard uh, and uh, challenging progressive rock. I mean, I normally wouldn't throw my friends into the deep end. Sorry, my eyes a little uh, scratchy. Uh, I wouldn't throw my friends right into the deep end like this, but I'm pretty sure she can handle it. Uh, And I am listening to Lana Del Rey. And as I mentioned, I was really excited to talk about this one. I always was looking for a chance to dive into Lana's work. And this is a perfect opportunity to do so. So I'm excited to hear what Alicia is thinking about uh, the deep prog that is transatlantic uh, and what I have to say about Lana Del Rey. But before we do, I want to thank a few of my patrons. First up is David E. Frez. Uh, David is my newest subscriber. So thank you so much, David. Uh, and I want to thank another new uh, patron of mine, Triple Nine. Triple Nine has subscribed to me for a few weeks now, but I wanted to give him a hearty shout out once again. So thank you, Triple Nine, as well as David. If you want to be cool like Triple Nine and David E. Fritz, head on over to my Patreon. It's Patreon slash notes reviews. Once again, that's 
Patreon slash notes reviews. You get your name shouted out on this podcast. You get your name at the end credits of all of my YouTube videos. And yeah, it's just a good time. Depending on what you uh, donate, you get some perks as well. Uh, Get me to review an album of your choice, listen to it live streaming uh, and all the good things, all the good things. So I think that's about it. Uh, As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, be sure to rate, subscribe, and like if you are watching this on YouTube. And if this is a, um, uh, uh, you're listening to it on a podcast, uh, hey, I've also got this on YouTube where you can actually see my face. So yeah. Uh, But if you are a podcast uh, individual such as myself, uh, don't forget to like share this with a friend. Let them know about this. Uh, Because yeah. Yeah, I I hope to get the word out a little bit more about this. Uh, Anyway, that's enough of me rambling on. Let's head back into the episode proper, find out what Alicia has to say about Transatlantic and what I have to say about Lana Del Rey. Let's dive back in. So I'm, I'm honestly very excited to hear your thoughts about this album. And I, I think more so your overall experience with it, like just whatever comes to. So what did you think? Um, I really enjoyed it. Like oh, I had good. a great time listening to that. Um, I'm so pleased. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. This is just like the, for me, it's the perfect version of that kind of music. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes I'm not going to lie to you. I find it could be tedious for sure, but I think this one held my interest. Oh, good. And I don't know. I just really had a good time listening to it. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the recommendation. Cause I would not look for it myself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I know that that's part of the reason why um, progressive rock isn't a draw for a lot of people because they see the runtime and they get intimidated or not even intimidated. And cause that puts too much of a negative connotation on the person, but it's just like, Oh, I don't have time for that. Like get to the point, like exactly. uh, give me that three minute song. Um, but I'm glad to hear that you didn't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Did not hate it. That's for sure. I actually Wonderful. liked it. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. So yeah. uh, what was like, what was coming? Uh, what, what kind of uh, vibes were you catching? So I have some, uh, some notes that I took. Yeah, let's do it. I think overall my bear with me, my, my comparisons are going to be stupid. That's fine. But <laughs> No stupid comparisons. It's all good. <laughs> it reminded me of, Okay, number one, obviously, like I felt like I should have been watching like a laser show or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I should be smoking weed. You know? Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would make it a little better. No, but it reminded me of like sitting in a theater. Like, what do you call those ones that go around you? Like oh, an like an IMAX place? or um, an Omni theater? Like yeah, like the one yeah. at Ontario Place. That's what it was reminding me of. Okay, and um. Yeah. So it was really cool like that. I thought like if there had been like a visual component that I was experiencing at the same time, it would have been, I think, even more of an impressive experience. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it also was giving me vibes of, and I mean, this is, this is going to be a compliment, even if it doesn't sound like it, sure. a ride, like an actual amusement park ride. Like let's oh, okay. say you're at Universal Studios, for example, that has like really uh, involving rides that take you on a journey. Right. It yes. was giving me that. And I am a okay. 
big amusement park fan. So that's yeah. a compliment coming from me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it just reminded me of being in like a seat and like a voice speaking over you mm. and then just going on a journey with it. So I think I really, I don't know. I think that's why I thought it was so fun because it was reminding me of like fun experiences that I've had. Right, right. That makes, sense. That makes total sense for sure. Yeah, because um, yeah, I, the one thing that I love about this album in particular in terms of like progressive rock, because a lot of bands have tried these huge albums before and I feel like this one's one of the more successful ones because of the flow of the album um the way that it goes from one movement to another uh and even though this album's like 80 minutes long it never feels the runtime Mm -hmm. and I love what you said about it being like a ride like a journey because like the overall arching concept is you know life is a whirlwind um it's a it's a massive storm and sometimes it's easy to get through. And sometimes it's very difficult to get through. And what are those touchstones that we use to ground ourselves in such a turbulent time? So I feel like roller coasters and rides are a great metaphor because it's exactly that. Like sometimes it's terrifying. You don't know where you're going, especially those dark rides where there's so much unknown, but you always know that you're on a track going to a destination. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the, like you said, like the, the runtime can be sort of like a challenge for this type of music, but I think this one, it was, the sound was broken up enough by different sort of musical components and different musical mm-hmm. styles, I think, enough that you're kind of like, oh, what's this now? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's sort of always catching you that way. Yeah, there's always um, something interesting going on. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I really, I really enjoyed because sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it'd be unexpected, like a little piano break, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. I also love how there's a lot of different musical themes that get reprised throughout mm-hmm. uh, and that helps again with touchstones. Uh, so it's not just this chaos the entire time of we're going to this musical piece. Now we're going to this musical piece. It's like, oh, I remember this. Like it's part of the reason why a lot of, uh, and I, I don't mean this as a negative, but a lot of pop songs are very repetitive mm-hmm. to get you to sing along with them on first listen. So that's kind of the same essence. It's uh, repetitive to get you familiar when they reprise it later on. It's like, oh, I remember this and mm-hmm. I like how they're reprising it. Yeah. And speaking of that, like that exact thing is it also was reminding me of like musical theater a little bit. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so of course, musical theater will do that, right? Like they'll have a reprise of a song that you've previously heard. Yeah. It's like slightly different, but you're like, I know this melody. 
mm-hmm. and like a, a musical I think it's I don't know how to pronounce it. it's like light motif or something like that yeah. that's like the the musical cue that sort of signals when something is happening yeah um yeah so I got I was getting that from it as well mm-hmm. and uh I'm a musical theater fan so I really like that part excellent yeah, yeah that's I mean that was one thing that I I I'm shocked that more musical theater fans aren't a fan of progressive rock because there's so much overlap. Absolutely. I you think, know? I think it's what you said earlier where it sort of seems maybe intimidating. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it would have a lot in common. And so you're kind of like, I'm not getting near that. I'm not touching that. This is what <laughs> I know. But yeah. then when you actually experience it, it's a lot of it is very similar. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I had some notes that were like, reminds me of, like like musical theater reminds me of like mm-hmm. theatricality right. cinematic yep like stuff like that so yeah which okay. all speaks to me i love that stuff so i'm very <laughs> very g- glad uh what what other like note uh notes do you have on this they're all dumb i will tell you this in advance oh those are the best come on <laughs> <laughs> those are the absolute best there was like there there was a specific interlude that was very haunted carnival-esque okay yeah and i again big fan of like you know being in a haunted house sort of thing but it was also sort of uh reminding me of um what's it called bo burnham's inside Um, Uh like some of that was reminding me of like what he does a little bit Mm um yeah and there i the maybe the dumbest note of all that i have is there was a specific part (laughs) that reminded me of okay do you know Mario Kart, the video game. Absolutely. Yeah. Rainbow Road. Uh-huh. I have the the N64 version of this game. I don't know what it's like on any other version, but mm-hmm. there is like a soundtrack to that specific track. Yep. That I was very heavily reminded of at like a specific point in the song. I wish I had taken notes of the timestamps, but I, I think like, I think I know exactly the the piece that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with the N64 and Mario Kart, and mm-hmm. they've pretty much reused the same track for Rainbow Road because okay. it's it's almost like triggering for some people when they yeah. hear it, you know? Yeah, um, it's like in your brain. It's in your brain, yeah. Um, and for me, it's just like, okay, stay in the middle, stay in the middle, because the moment <laughs> you start to waver. <laughs> I'm always over. over the side, like, I don't know how it happens. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, boy. But yeah, I know, I pretty much know exactly the motif that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could hear it. Now that you've pointed it out, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of where it's from. Yeah. It, it took me, a, like, I was listening to it. And I'm like, this is reminding me of something. What is it? I'm thinking it's another rock song. It's mm-hmm. a something, maybe a musical. And I'm like, oh, no, it's it's, Mary <laughs> it's Rainbow Road. <laughs> <laughs> it's Nintendo. Oh, that's good. Again, all of, I mean all of this in the best way because these are all things that I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to be reminded of them. Oh, fantastic. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked that you actually like enjoyed it. Cause I mean, there was a moment that I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I should do this. It might be a little too much to ask all at once, but uh, no, you've kind of validated my choice. So yeah, no, I really liked it. And like, again, like if you had given me just like an album, that was not one song, it would possibly be the same runtime. It's the Mm. same commitment. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like I remember talking to somebody about these longer stretches of songs and they said, Oh, I don't know how musicians can play for that long. And I said, well, if you, you know, they go through different moods, right? So nobody's really playing 100% of the time. So it would be akin to being at a live show and just watching a really long set. Mm-hmm. Um, like the drummer's not playing all the time. The keyboardist isn't playing the entire time. They're not singing the entire time. So you use those breaks to take a little bit of a breather as you would if you were between songs. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. I did. I did have a thought of like, how do musicians come up with a concept like this and sustain mm-hmm. it for that long? Mm-hmm. That's impressive to me. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that because like this album does have many different concepts, but I think the main concept is one that the, one of the main forces of this album is Neil Morse, who does a lot of these big concept albums. And at the end of the day, the concepts usually revolve around his relationship with God, uh, which is why there's so much homage and uh, images of humanity's relationship to God and their deities and that kind of stuff. And how um, at the heart of the whirlwind is essentially God's love for us. And a lot of his, I guess, solo works is much more direct there. There's less hidden homages and allusions and much more God is great. God is love and all that. Um, So I think they are very good at constructing a concept because he's just so used to it. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was definitely picking up on some of that, those themes yeah. as well. Yeah, and I know that it, it turns off a few of like progressive rock fans, and they don't like Neil Morse because of how religious his music can get at times. Like, if there was ever a Christian progressive rock artist, he would be the standard <laughs> person. Um, yeah, and I mean, it does get a bit much on his solo stuff but i find that bands that he's worked with it's always there but it's not as in your face so yeah yeah okay yeah i don't mind a little bit of that i don't think i could listen to like a full album of you know talking about god or anything oh, just, not, my, not my jam <laughs> i was gonna say just wait until i give you like sola scriptura <laughs> or like one or something like that where it's nothing but god <laughs> oh, you know what if it sounds good like i'll listen to it because i do listen to some musicians who maybe a bit more on the religious side, but mm-hmm. if you approach it in like a, like a, I, I'm into like spirituality and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm interested in what they have to say. Oh, absolutely. Like, and yeah. this is a little bit of an aside, but like the church that my dad and my stepmom go to now is a Baptist church mm-hmm. and I'll visit them and go just for the music itself. Cause it's always this big crescendo moment. And it's very like starts off slow with an acoustic guitar and then builds to this grand climb. And then, I always say people are high-fiving the angels because their hands go up yeah. in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Baptist churches are fun, right? They're they're great. Um, yeah. So, like, I feel that same kind of energy here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, like a celebration, <laughs> sort of. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's an approachable for an outsider to be listening to it and not feel like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
it's I'm glad that you said celebration because that's one of the things that I always say about this style of progressive rock because this was released in like 2008 2009 where progressive rock and music as a whole was very dark very brooding you know like emo and screamo and that was hard at time yeah like everything was dark everything was <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like the, the dark the better yeah the dark night was coming out and it's like this yeah. is what we want in our superheroes dark and brooding you know mm-hmm. oh yeah and <laughs> here comes here comes this and i always say celebration of sound the celebration of music where they're unabashedly happy about things and like, hey, life can get you down, but just keep on trucking. such a cult like a counterculture that it's so much more bright based on all the music that was going around at that time where it's just like darkness brooding oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i remember those days well <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that's interesting and i feel like maybe because of that it might have even aged better than mm-hmm. what we like what i was listening to at that time for example yeah. Which like, as when I'm, I'm no longer a teenager, I'm like, that is stuff I can't, you know, it's borderline unbearable now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It spoke to me as a teen, but maybe not now, but, yeah. um, and, and just like what the world needs at, at, at this given time, for example, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we would turn to this kind of music a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that too. Cause like, I remember reading somewhere that in like times of hardship, the media that's being produced are always optimistic, always happy, always very light Mm -hmm. and um, again, celebratory. And then times of prosperity, the media that's being produced, the art that's being produced is a lot more brooding, a lot more introspective, a lot more, um, I guess, self-critical. And if we look at, you know, now versus then, like that's, what, 13, 14 years ago around there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But like we were just coming out of the economic slump. Um, I think, um, oh man, Barack Obama was just elected president. Uh, Bush was coming out in the U S you know, things were starting to look very bright in a lot of different ways. And so that allowed a lot of people to do more of that introspective stuff. Whereas now things aren't great. (laughs) No, No. (laughs) I think it's the same reason that like, I think romantic comedies in like book form, especially Mm -hmm. have never been more popular than now. And I think people are like, give me something easy. Give me something good. I need to see something happy. Yeah. Whereas like, I feel like in the nineties, which was like a relatively prosperous and like easy time from what I remember as a child yep. uh, it was like I was obsessed with Daria 
and you know like oh the world sucks everything's terrible and it's like yeah. the world was fine what are you talking about fine. what are you talking about yeah <laughs> bad now yeah, yeah well, somebody funny. was even saying like the winners of best picture between like 1999 and 2000 and then like 2001 and 2002 and it's like we went from this american beauty fight club very dark very critical very over analyzing to like shrek and um very like how to train your dragon and like very happy and more celebratory kind of stories yeah for sure Yeah, it, it, make, it weirdly makes sense because I think you, if the world is going okay, you have enough space mm-hmm. mentally to like, let's examine the darker side of things. And like, let's, you know, let's dig into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. When, you know, a pandemic is happening, you're like, <laughs> I don't, I've had enough darkness shoved in my face. Yeah. I want something nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We went from like pre-pandemic to so many different like true crimes and all those mm-hmm. all the way into like the first big thing after the pandemic or I guess during the pandemic which was like Tiger King and yeah. things like that where it was just like yeah. give me something light like and just insane yeah. <laughs> the crazier the better <laughs> the crazier the better yeah let's keep this all light let's keep this all like kind of borderline silly yeah and like nothing to do with me like that yeah. like yeah. I don't know what is going on in Tiger King <laughs> <laughs> but I'm enjoying it <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, so I guess switching gears yeah. uh, entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, quite different. Sorry. I mean, no, it's great. Um, <laughs> much like you, I found myself loving and digging this. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I feel like what Lana was doing was like, I would have loved this album even more if I had listened to it last year because like that was when I was really getting into Taylor Swift's double album of like folklore and evermore. And this sounds like the more realized version of what Taylor was going after for those two albums. Mm -hmm. Um, I, what I, and I wrote down notes for pretty much every track, which is rare because most of the time I'll write down like one or two. Uh, But I, I had something to say about everything. Um, Overarching across the album i love that lana gave each track space to do what it's meant to do and it didn't she didn't allow the track to have an easy out and i don't know if that makes sense what do you but mean so i find especially with americana music and folk music and i don't mean this as a negative i mean this more as a descriptor the artists take the easy out of when they feel like the song is done they just stop it Okay. Instead of allowing the song to like give the song its due to have a proper ending, like serving the song to the point of reaching the logical conclusion rather mm-hmm. than, okay, I've said what I need to say. I'm done. I'm at the three minute mark. Uh, yeah. End it. Okay. Yeah. And it's not yeah. even like, like a runtime thing. It's more of just like a, a feel. Um, And this was something that I noticed a lot in the 80s. It was very prevalent in the early 2000s as well of like the fade out of a track Mm -hmm. instead of, again, playing it out to its logical conclusion. And I think what was the track that I like wrote it down that like I was almost halfway in, if not more so, that I was like, all these songs are getting the proper due. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say it was California. Okay. Somewhere around California. I was just like, yeah, all these tracks are really getting 
getting due process instead of just, again, taking the easy out of like, yeah. okay, I'm done. We're on yeah. the third, third course. Let's cut it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. I wouldn't have thought that, but I, now that you say it, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one that like, you kind of have to explain a little bit more to kind of, but <laughs> once you get it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I also thought it was a very bold choice of Lana's to have the long track be the third track in. Yeah. It's yeah. uh it's an interesting choice for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't really know much about her process or uh like I feel like she's a very mysterious figure in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, what are, you, what are you up to? Like what's the the rationale behind this? particular like track list or even this this sound that you're doing now versus what you've done before mm-hmm. but yeah that's she's like you know what here's a long song deal with it deal with it yeah <laughs> yeah and it, it even works in the flow of the album because mm-hmm. um it was a very big trend in the later 2000s of putting the big 20 minute song in the midpoint of the album and it always disrupted the flow of the album Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of prog bands would put their big epic song either at the very beginning, like the first track or the very end being the last track. And they had to do that through necessity because the only way to produce music was on records. Okay. So the 20 minute okay. track would take up the entire side. So if you put, you know, two five minute tracks, then a 20 minute track, and then another two minute, five minute tracks, or I guess two five minute tracks, there would be no way to split it properly across like physically a physical album, you know? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So there was a big thing in the later two thousands to just put the big 20 minute track right in the middle. And it always disrupted the flow. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I felt like on this album, having it be, it wasn't necessarily in the middle. It was still kind of at the beginning of the album, but it never really, yeah, it never really disrupted the flow. It kept the flow going. Um, even though I, I do feel like, um, uh, F it, I love you, um, was a little bit of a hard transition from, uh, uh, Venice bitch, which is the big, the big track. Um, and I don't know if it just needed a little bit more padding, a little bit more space between the tracks, because when Vienna, um, Vienna bitch, or sorry, Venice bitch, when it stops, it almost immediately goes into fuck it, I love you. Yeah. Interestingly, I do remember, I'm trying to like recall the time, but Venice bitch, I think was released as a single well Mm. before this album was even a thing. Mm -hmm. And she included it on the album. So I do think that one maybe is a little bit of a, an outlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in my opinion anyway whenever I listen to the album that one always reminds me that like oh this was not originally part of like a whole album it was its own right, thing right um, which is why it's so long I think compared to the other ones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah so putting it in the middle is or not in the middle but like not at the beginning or the end like mm-hmm. you said is an interesting choice because yeah. conceptually I don't know what the, the idea was
because I know like a lot of contemporary artists either put their big track at the beginning mm-hmm. or at the end. More yeah. more often than not, it's at the end. But like a few bands, uh, like I know King Gizzard has put out a number of tracks that are longer right at the beginning. Um, but more often than not, it's the ending piece to kind of finalize the album. But mm-hmm. it also doesn't feel like a conclusion. It also feels just like a continuation. So it makes sense a little bit of why it's not at the very end, but it was just, that was my big note of that was that it was just very bold of her to put the plus nine minute track three songs in yeah, rather than a little bit later on, or even just right at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, But I also love, and this is something across all the tracks and part of the reason why I say give the tracks their, their dues and not giving the easy way out. uh, I love all the builds. Mm -hmm. Um how well these tracks are constructed in all of them having a very satisfying crescendo. So it's not just going through a piece very, I guess, smoothly, even though a lot of these tracks are very mellow, they Mm -hmm. all have this climb uh, to some kind of a plateau or some kind of a higher valley. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to, uh, Again, I don't think I ever like would have noticed that because I think a lot of songs are just like structured that way mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, but yeah, I, I'll say that like like you said, a lot of them are very very mellow, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time that can bore me. Um, like that was maybe my my uh, going back to Lord. I think that was my issue with Solar Power. Right, is that it was mellow to the point where I was like, give me something, right. but. I think this is, they're all mellow, but they're all unique enough from each other Mm -hmm. that you're like, okay, this is a mellow in a different way. And you're giving me a different feeling with this one. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what really makes it work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always equate to like, um, if we're going for rides again, (laughs) I feel like my favorite analogy, (laughs) right. Um, I feel like Lord's album is drifting along a, a lazy river. Absolutely. And this one is more going along kind of like a fun water slide where you're not quite sure where the twists and turns are going to lead you. Mm-hmm. So, like still, it's still floating on water, but there's a little bit more happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've got like these, these plunges that sometimes are more fearful than others and you don't know when those are going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so like that's, and that was something that I wrote throughout uh, very, uh, drifting. There's a lot of homages and allusions to water and being on the water. Um, and there are, where was the one that I had written down? I love, there's a really beautiful blending. And this was something that I noted on a number of tracks. Uh, doing time was one that I had wrote it down on. Um, Happiness is a butterfly mm-hmm. and uh, a few others where there's a great blending of acoustic sounds um with more electronic sounds like Mm -hmm. almost like an electronic dance um the other one was uh cinnamon girl yeah um that there's this blending and i find sometimes when you try to blend these counter sounds it doesn't work all that well it's like they should have chosen one and stuck to it um, but I feel here it's a very nice blending of sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
yeah there's it's not just like i think the album gives the impression of being maybe like on the more acoustic side mm-hmm. but when you actually listen to it there's actually a lot of electronic sound behind it which i thought was really interesting it gives it a little bit of like a different edge to it yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that there was um, a few lyrics that I also wrote down. I know on California, Catch You on the Flip Side is something that my friends and I always tell yeah. to one another, which I thought was very nice. I think the, I think California is such a beautiful song, like just mm-hmm. like all around. The, yeah, it's the, the lyrics are like just so heartfelt and honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I love the most was the Mariner's apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Um, the lyric that I wrote down was um, mistook my kindness for a weakness. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, oh man, <laughs> like, I feel that very much. Like um, I know that especially within my family, um, they always look down on me of like, oh, you need to be rough and tumble and you got to be more. Rah, rah, rah. And I'm Friendly. like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Friendly. I'm, yeah. And it's like, oh, your kindness is a weakness. And I'm like, no, my kind, I, I like to think of it as like a strength. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh. she also says on that song, like, I ain't no candle in the wind. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like, I may seem soft and everyone thinks that I'm soft, but I'm not like, just because I may appear that way. Don't, you know, don't get it twisted. <laughs> yeah. Don't get it twisted around. Like <laughs> I'm still going to like stand my guard, but yeah, like, exactly. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the harmonies also were ridiculous mm-hmm. like she's such a skillful artist in knowing how to construct different harmonies um because I had that on California I had that on the next best American record mm-hmm. um and I know that there was the overall feeling was uh have you listened to uh any Decemberist albums mm-hmm. it felt like a lot of their no, I, was gonna say, I was supposed to, I was supposed to see them in concert last August and then Same this here. August. Yeah, you were gonna go. Yeah, canceled. canceled. Yeah. And yeah, no, yeah, there's there's <laughs> no. I was very saddened because I was gonna yeah. take one of my best friends and yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh well. Oh well. Next time. Next time. Anyway. Next time. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept getting feels of some of their smaller moments on like their first couple of albums. Mm-hmm. where they were really well at orchestrating these smaller, more intimate pieces. And I felt like this captured a lot of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I actually wrote it down for one track. And of course I can't find it in my notes because I have too much <laughs> notes. Um, it's somewhere here, wherever it is. Cause I actually wrote down, Oh, it reminds me of, Oh, I think it was um, Venice bitch. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. soft, very sweet. Very um, uh, but very satisfying it reminds me of the softer moments from deceberist yeah yeah i, yeah, I can see that for sure mm-hmm. and i think i think intimate is a good word just for for the album as a whole it absolutely almost, it sounds like she's singing to herself almost and you're just kind of there yeah yeah i can get that especially with some of the lyrical content like the first track the title track where she's both reflecting on why she's being drawn to this man child uh, mm-hmm. And it's almost being like, not necessarily scorning herself, but like very, very softly questioning, like, what is it about these kind of mm-hmm. men? Like they're, they're not mature. They're not what I'm really looking for. Uh, and I mean, why are guys like that? Cause most of them are. Um, <laughs> and so it's less of her, I guess, asking everybody, but more of just like an intimate reflection for herself 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was, the vibe that I get from, from almost all of it, I think, where mm-hmm. it's sort of, she's like, I'm just thinking out loud. These yeah. are my thoughts. You're yeah. listening to them, but like, it's not really like, you're not the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like the train of thought writing styles. Of, mm-hmm. um, it's both very deep, but also not very polished, which creates this more real aspect to it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the only other notes, cause I could talk quite a while on all this. <laughs> um, I love that she shoots, uh, or shots fired on the greatest. Um, I, I love where she says miss doing nothing at all, um, mm-hmm. for the most, or sorry, I miss doing nothing for the most of all. Wow. Let me try that again. <laughs> the lyric I believe was I miss doing nothing the most of all. Yeah. And I feel like once within the pandemic, things started opening back up again. I really resonated with that. Yeah. I was like, feeling that this weekend. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I, you know, we're still kind of in a major pandemic. Like we're in a, and we're expected to continue carrying on. Yeah. It was, it was a a weird sort of, it was obviously a terrible situation. Mm-hmm. all over the world but the Absolutely. if we're going to look at a, an upside to the situation we were put through would be like a break from everything like I remember the weekend would roll around and it was just another day and I'm like oh I don't have to be like open to a million different invitations yeah. or not that I'm getting a million invitations but like <laughs> like you know what I mean just like not worrying yeah. about like okay, what am I doing today what am I doing tomorrow what am I doing it's like okay breathe breathe it's another day of doing whatever yeah <laughs> nothing you know. we can do a whole lot of nothing at all yeah. yeah. And obviously that became too much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because as we started getting back into the groove of things, you're like, oh boy, that's, uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I also had notes on that track of shots fired at Kanye, which yeah, I thought that's was what I knew really you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he deserves it. So there I, you go. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and I love also how the album ends with uh, "Happiness is a Butterfly" and the monster of a track name, "Hope is a uh, dangerous thing for a woman like me to have, mm-hmm. uh, but I still have it," mm-hmm. um, which I think is very potent. And that was my last note was just how potent that wall that all is. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. having that right at the end, I feel like that's mm-hmm. like a final note, right? Yeah, I think um, like whenever I listen to the album, I feel like musically the greatest would be a good finale song because it's the, yeah. it's the most rousing. I think it's the most, I mean, from what I remember, but like, it just seems like, like an, uh, a final note where she's saying all like, you know, the world is ending. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yep. If this, if this is it, like I've had a ball, I think she says. Yeah. So that sounds like an ending song for them. There's more songs to come. So it's yeah. interesting that, yeah. Uh, yeah, the message that I think she's sending with ending on, hope is a dangerous thing. Yeah. Uh, and happiness is a butterfly and hope is a dangerous thing. Like mm-hmm. both, um, very complimentary ideas. Um, and I even wrote that happiness is a butterfly might be my favorite track off of the whole album. You know what? Yeah. I think that one is the most critically praised. Interesting. It's not one of my favorites. I okay. obviously I like it, but it's not one that I would have picked as like my top five even but I think I think I'm alone I think I'm unusual in that <laughs> no, a lot of people said it's their favorite which I I see why um and I also see why it wouldn't be a favorite um 
like I just put that it had this like early Radiohead feel to it. Mm, like I'm okay. thinking of like fake plastic trees kind of yeah, a feel to okay. it. Um, so I could see the appeal, but I also see if that's not quite your jam, the how it might not necessarily yes. be. I said, don't be a jerk, don't call me a taxi, sitting in your sweatshirt, crying in the backseat, ooh, I just want to dance with you. Hollywood and Vine, Black Rabbit in the alley, I just want to hold you tight down the avenue, I just want to dance with you, I just want to dance. Like, it's just like, I like it, but it's just not one that stood out to me as much as the other ones, which is funny. When I was reading reviews of it back in the day when it came out, everyone was Mm -hmm. like, oh, Happiness is a Butterfly is, you know, the song. Right. Okay. Yeah. And like, (laughs) I wouldn't say like, because I enjoyed this album through and through, like my enjoyment of Happiness is a Butterfly isn't like leaps and bounds beyond everything else. It's just like, my enjoyment is through here. And it's like, "Mm, just a little bit, just a little bit, right? A little higher. A little higher. So yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. It's a good song. Yeah. Um, but thanks for uh for not not forcing me, but recommending this album to me because <laughs> like I found myself having a ball, especially like listening to a lot of these like the same artists. Mm-hmm. Um, like getting so much into the Lord album. Um, I've been listening a lot to um nope, all the different names are gone now. <laughs> They're all gone. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like getting me to listen to that. I had a fantastic time. Okay. I'm glad. Yeah. And I hope uh, maybe it'll like, now that if you go back and listen to Lord a little bit more, I wonder if there'll be some similarities. They are yeah, produced by the same guy. And I, so can, I think a lot of people are yeah, I putting the that. blame on him, which I don't know how fair that is, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always say like a producer takes the raw material that the artist brings and just refines it. So yeah. it's, it's not like they're, drastically changing or influencing all that much just takes the the raw form and like refines it so yeah yeah and yeah who knows like producers are also attracted to a certain sound so yeah, it's kind sure. of a chicken and egg heart cart and horse conundrum that makes sense. and and i yeah. feel like his music as well like it's jack antonoff from the bleachers oh. Oh, okay. So, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So if you listen to his own music, you're like, all right, I see the connections. I yeah, see where all, this is all coming from. We're all from. related. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. To me, yeah. I like it. I like the sound, so it's not a problem. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I feel like this is going to be a very heavily rotated fall album for me. Um, That's interesting. So actually, yeah. I was going to say, um, when you were uh, mentioning that the song you gave me was more of a fall album, mm-hmm. that was one of my notes as well. I do really hear like fall sounds mm-hmm. um but to me lana del rey is always summer like and I, yeah i yeah. totally totally see that like yeah. the americana feel americana. like driving the a Hampton. car yeah, yeah california yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. like driving through the california like landscape either like the desert or the mountains or the coastline yeah. in like a convertible with your hair just flying out the back exactly like, yeah. yeah whenever yeah. the weather gets hot i'm like okay time to put lana on again <laughs> <laughs> no i can hear that i think what makes this more of a fall album for me is just how mellow it is and mm. some of the darker corners sure. are reminding me of the you know the days are getting a little bit shorter it's there's a little bit of a crispness in the air it's not Mm -hmm. as 
ridiculously hot as it once was. So I'm, I'm thinking more of like the evening drives, you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely see this one being a good, like fall transition yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be listening to it in the fall. So oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we have two wins for sure. Yeah. On this one. yeah. yeah. Excellent. Um, is there anything as we uh, say our goodbyes, is there anything that you want to let the listeners know about anything you want to pump or promote? <laughs> I don't, I don't do too much aside from my grad program anymore. Um, if anyone is interested in reading pop culture stuff, I write for the Vaughn public library's blog called How very, it's very good. I've, I've been following <laughs> it and Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very good. Very insightful for sure. Yeah, yeah, we we have fun with it. So if you're interested in in uh, hot takes on pop culture, oh, they're not always hot takes. They're, I was gonna say, they're the spiciest of takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it. It's called Hot Off the Shelf. We changed the name. Oh, did you? That's right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, oh, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, having a little bit of a. Um, uh colliding of different worlds but mm-hmm. you know that's what i love about this podcast and what i love about this whole thing so yeah yeah uh thanks for coming on and uh thank you all for watching and listening uh and as always just keep sharing music yeah.